0: Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise Praise the Lord. Lord. Outstanding. God is good. Amen. (laughs) Well, welcome everyone. Great to see you. Pray everyone had a wonderful Thanksgiving. I know we did. And and of course... uh, we, uh, you know, you think of uh, Thanksgiving as a time when we spend with our family and friends. But, you know, this is uh, a church family. And uh, when one is hurting, we all hurt, you know. And, uh, but man, what a, what a loving group of praying church family. And uh, we thank God for this group. Um, even those of you that are online, we pray for you, and uh, we love you. And uh, But when there's always things going on in our midst here, and uh, so um, we're not going to let the devil steal our joy. Amen? Yeah, yeah. He's not the source of it, and he's not the caretaker of it. We are, so we protect that, and uh, and it makes him mad, boy. Well, but he's, who cares? That one day we're going to see him when he is judged finally, and, uh, and we're going to say that that that's that's the one that caused all the trouble. That that nothing. Remember, you have authority over all the works of the devil. Don't let him steal from you. Amen. Amen? Praise God. Well, I am just blessed. I, I am thankful that I did not buy that 30-pound Butterball that I wanted so badly. <laughs> and the only reason I didn't, because I usually get a 20 to 22-pounder, and I did, and I had it, and I saw the 30-pounder. That's gonna be good. But I didn't think it would fit. I thought it might drip over the roasting pan and I'd do the high heat turkey, you know, and oh, anyway, so I didn't get it. And then I was glad because I bought the twenty two pounder and that's how much that weight I gained. Yeah. So if I would have got the thirty, it stands to reason. <laughs> Glory to God. (laughs) Oh, hallelujah. Repeat after me. I'm going to grow closer to Jesus today. I'm going to grow in the grace and knowledge of him. This word is true. God's promises are for me. He loves me especially. And I love him too. too. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Father, for this day. Thank you for your love and grace and mercy and peace and joy. And Thank you for just comforting us and healing us everywhere we hurt and just keeping us filled with the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. We love you and we thank you for using me today. Thank you for the anointing that breaks every yoke. Thank you for your precious word, the seed of the word of God, which is the manna from heaven, which we're going to sow into this plowed ground. And we just thank you that it will take root and bear fruit in everyone who hears this message today or at any time in the future. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Last week, well, I read a portion of uh, Proclamation 97 from 1863 uh, that Abraham Lincoln signed, um, setting aside a, a Thursday in that year for, uh, for Thanksgiving. And uh, it was a day in that proclamation, he, he speci- specified what that, that day was for, a day, of national humility or humiliation, he called it. But it's just meant to humble ourselves and to fast and to pray and to not go to work but to go to the houses of worship and, and, uh, and, uh, and to our homes and uh, and just stay in, in prayer and fasting and, and the giving of thanks and to humble ourselves for that day. And and I was just thinking about that. as I, I love looking and studying those old, those old things, especially Lincoln. And I wonder how many still consider the, the humility of giving thanks to God on Thanksgiving. You know, if they think of it as that's what it's for. Um, we know the fasting part has exited stages left or whatever, you know. It's all about that bird and everything, and and that's okay. You know, it's good to to um, enjoy that that kind of thing with family and friends. But the prayer, you know, if we're honest, it's probably said mostly, if at all, just before we begin the gluttony. <laughs> <You know? laughs> But even, even when it gets quiet, you know, at the end of the day, when we've all gone back to our respective homes, I wonder how many even pray and, and give thanks to God in humility, even on the one day of the year that is supposed to be set aside for nothing but that. So I hope that we all do to some degree. I know that I'm thankful for so many things, including all of you. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we were reminded last week also of some other details of 1863. right in the midst of the Civil War. This was the year, just to put a exclamation point on it, the year the, of the of the Gettysburg um, encounter or battle, uh, which we lost 60,000 men in that alone. Half a million Americans were lost in in. That was, we lost more in that war than any, any foreign war. World War II came close, but not, not as many were lost. So we talked about what a serious year it was for Abraham Lincoln and how his son Willie had died in the White House. And then we talked about his awesome other child, uh, Willie's brother Tad, who, who was full of antics and he had that pet turkey, remember, that he had trained to walk on a leash and and uh, it was snatched up by yeah. the, the, the cook and was gonna be dinner and uh, Tad grabbed it, and ran to his daddy who, whom he had seen pardon people and, and asked him to give that presidential pardon to the turkey and he agreed <laughs> and did it. And that was the beginning of that tradition and that's really cool. But I, uh, the biggest thing that I remember it, when, Because uh, of my fondness for Abraham Lincoln and the wonderful things that he accomplished, especially the one big thing, you know, which, you know, thing. I mean, half a million lives were lost to to help and there were a lot of other supporters and people behind the scenes. But Abraham Lincoln gets a lot of the credit for ending that atrocity known as slavery in this nation. And uh, I thank God this, this nation was founded on principles and, and the Constitution that enabled us to overcome such a terrible thing and that they stuck with it. But, you know, it was on that field of when he went later in that year to do the Gettysburg Address, um, walking amongst the tombstones there, that he gave his life to Christ. And we know that he only lived a couple more years and was violently uh, murdered. And uh, just, you know, I was just reflecting on the fact that, that had he not been saved there at Gettysburg, you know, because he was up in age and he had neglected A relationship with the Lord all those years and no matter what good he had accomplished even ending slavery and dying because of it really had he not given his life to Christ on that field there at Gettysburg or wherever it didn't matter where he did it but just a couple years or less before he passed on he, he would not have been in heaven with us you could do all the best things in the world and if you don't have a relationship with Jesus you will not be in heaven. Good people don't go to heaven. Saved people do. I say that, but Jesus said, why do you call me good? There's no one good but God. And so he was, what he was wanting the, the guy to do was to admit that he was God, that he was the Messiah, and he would have been right to do so, but that wasn't his understanding. So he was calling him good just to suck up to him, <laughs> but now that we have God, we, there is goodness in us, Amen. Before our hearts were evil and wicked; that's how we're born. We came with that corrupted seed and nature, didn't we? But Second Corinthians five seventeen, we it's a familiar passage of Scripture. Thank God that uh, Abraham Lincoln entered into. This phase of his life, that therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creation, a new creature. The old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So now God has removed the, the stony heart um, and the sin nature and replaced it with a heart of love and his very own nature in Christ. Thank you, Lord. John 13:35 was one of the last things I mentioned last week. I said, by this Jesus said, "By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another." <clears throat> I was just teasingly wondering it, I was going to ask how many of you have been practicing the display of love for your neighbor? I hope all of you have and We'll just not do a show of hands and we'll just, we'll just take it for granted that you all have and that you always do. Amen. Amen. It's really not hard when you consider what he's done for us. Amen. Love, humility, thankfulness, prayer. These things have been on my mind, my heart. Luke chapter 17. I'm not going to go over there. Because I'll read that chapter to you. But it's. It's a story about one time there were 10 lepers. That came to Jesus to heal them. Yeah. And he told them. Go and show yourselves to the priests as was the custom and the law of that day. And, and as they went, as they were obedient to his instruction, they were healed along the way, you see. Uh, oftentimes, or I would say always, um, it takes some act of faith. And you say, well, I've been healed and I didn't do anything in faith but if somebody was healed. Somebody was believing for you or praying for you, even if they didn't know you. I'll stick to that for now, but we'll talk about it another time if you want. But only one, the point is, only one of those lepers that were healed out of the ten turned back to thank Jesus. The other nine went on their way. And, you know, they they were just preoccupied with themselves, you know. Their desires to go and be where they wanted to be and to be with who they wanted to be, and there's nothing bad about that in itself except for the fact that they neglected to express their gratitude to the one responsible for their well-being. I, I believe that relatively few people even now, who receive the goodness of the Lord return to give Him thanks for what He has done. But even still that doesn't keep the Lord from doing what is good, having compassion, doing what is right for people. He's just good that way, you know. And according to the their own request, he did physically heal them all. But only one returned and was thankful, and that one was made whole. He told him so. And the difference in that is the word there that is used, and in the Greek, that's the word so-so. S-O-Z-O, which we've talked about in the past. And that's not only includes, it's an all-inclusive type of healing. You know how I always say the Lord wants to heal you everywhere you hurt? That's what happened with this one. He didn't just get the physical healing, which was wonderful. But he got the spiritual healing, the soulish healing, the mental. He got it all. So he was the really wise one. Amen? The Lord is, of course, concerned about our physical needs, our physical wellness. In um, Matthew 6.30 Jesus said, your, your father knows that you need these things. Talking about all the things that the world chases after. Clothing and food and so on. So you're, you're father knows you need those things you don't have to worry about that stuff you know you're a child of God now you know your your kids don't have to stay up all night and worry whether or not you're gonna give them some cereal in the morning and make sure they don't leave the house naked you know (laughs) same with ours he loves us amen and we don't have to fret over those things. Worry is just, uh, it's like a rocking chair. You know, it gives you something to do, but doesn't get you anywhere. Yeah. <laughs> uh, he, he wants us healed physically, but he's more concerned about our eternal needs, isn't he? That was the part that the, the Jews missed when he came to see the, them. <laughs> 2,000 years ago. They thought he was here for all those physical needs and military and political and all that and they missed the spiritual aspect which was what he was here to repair on that visit. Next time he's coming to set up his kingdom. Amen. Amen. So he met their physical needs but he also desired... To meet their spiritual needs. And it's the same with us. When only one of the ten came back. And, and aligned himself. This is how you need to see it. He, by coming back and giving thanks to the one responsible for what he had received. He aligned himself. To cooperate. Um, with, with God or to. He humbled himself to position himself with a thankful heart to continue receiving from God and to receive even more. I'm trying to find better words for that, but you get my point. Okay, thank you, Lord. We talk a lot about spirit, soul, and body. We do. I wish everyone did. I wish all churches did. Because it's very important. Matter of fact, when people want to start Bible studies, I encourage them that that be the first lesson that they study. Very closely followed by the love of God for them. Because, see, without understanding spirit, soul, and body, we won't understand how God can love us in our imperfect bodies and souls. Without understanding that we're three part beings and the essential part of us is the spirit. We are spirit, it's our father is a spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth, John 4:24). So we're a spirit created in his image with a soul in a body. And that spirit, of course, we cannot discern with our natural senses. That's why we need the Word of God. That's why we need the, the Spirit of God. But we can't discern it with our natural spirits. So, and we can't, we, our natural senses, and we can't learn about it in school, no matter how high we go. Um, so we'll struggle in our understanding of God and our salvation until we. We get that, you see. Well, the the Lord, His desire is for us to to prosper spirit, soul, and body, isn't it? Isn't it? I mean, go back there to the five T's in the back. After... After... uh, after Colossians, this five T's start. <laughs> and first and Second Thessalonians are the the first two T's. In the First Thessalonians chapter five, verse twenty-three, if you write in your Bibles, underline that one. Um, but that's 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 the scripture that Paul points out that we are three-part beings. And he says, now may the God of peace himself Sanctify, that means set you apart and make you holy and completely, sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus. And then and then the help arrives in verse 24. He who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. But verse twenty-three shows us that we are spirit, soul, and body. You see what I'm saying? And then he wants us to be sanctified and stay that way. And then offers and said and 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 claims and, uh, as a fact that that Jesus will do it. And so that's good news. And then in third John, the epistle of John, third John two. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. So you see, this is God's will for our lives, Amen. Amen. We'm going to get back to our spiritual keychain. One of the keys to the kingdom is giving thanks to God. I'm just continuing on in this vein for a moment because, even though Thanksgiving is past, we're closer to it now than we were before last week. <laughs> anyway, it's not a bad topic for two weeks in a row, amen? Especially to shed a little more light and to delve a little more deeply into it because you're not just converts, you're disciples. And that's what the Lord Jesus charged us in the Great Commission to go out and create. Disciples, And that's a wonderful thing, to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, because it makes you stronger than horseradish <laughs> against the wiles of the devil, that lying liar. I'm just no good at even telling anyone off anymore. Thank you, Lord. I used to be really good at it. I don't want to be good at it. I want to be good at telling people about Jesus. I was telling one about Jesus in Spanish yesterday because I had my, my hat with the cross on it yesterday and I just, I forgot a lot of my vocabulary of <laughs> Okay. But I said, I just, uh, he started asking and I knew what he was saying and I said, well, yeah, I said, Jesus, te amo mucho. And he said, Jesus Cristo, I said, si, sí? Cristo, te amo mucho, es verdad, you sabe, and he was like, it just, it about body slammed him spiritually, he was just like, it really, I mean, the Lord just set that up, and see, that's, that, you know, all I said to him was, Jesus loves you very much, And that's all you ever have to say to anybody. (laughs) Somebody will come along and water that seed. Hallelujah. (laughs) Uh, You know why it's one of the keys to the kingdom, giving thanks to God? Because it's a totally unselfish act. It's a totally unselfish act. Self-centeredness is... You know, it says money is the root root of all kinds of evil. It's not the root of all evil, but it's the love of money is the root of all all evil. But self-centeredness is a root of all kinds of grief in the life of a believer, and in everyone's life, really. So one of the main keys to relationship with the Father that makes us whole and not just healed is being thankful. Y'all in agreement with me? So, praising God, it builds up your faith. It runs off the devil, and it ministers to God. Yeah, it blesses the Lord for you to thank Him. Doesn't it bless you when, I mean, you know, when we do things out of love? You know, we we've learned that hey. I do something nice for, for this one, uh, I don't have to look for, um, for them to reciprocate. As a Christian, I know I do it out of love because that's who I am now and God's gonna bring that back to me in multiplic- multiplied form, whatever sort of seed I sow toward that person, whether it's kindness or financial or whatever, and He can use anyone He wants. He will use a person But it doesn't have to be them. So I don't have to worry about them. Say, well, I did this for them and they need to... No, that's not the Christian way. Because if you really... if It's it's unbelief is what it is. You just know that God's going to multiply that back to you. It doesn't have to be from them. And generally speaking, it's usually not. And if you do it expecting it from them, then that's really just not... I mean, Jesus goes as far as like on Thanksgiving. He said, you know, when you have a banquet or a feast or whatever, don't even invite the people that you know or that you think will invite you back. Invite strangers and the poor and all that. And it's like, man, on Thanksgiving, I was reading that. I was like, man, have we really? (laughs) You know, I mean, but those kingdom keys are, are They're real. Those spiritual laws are real. And you can count on them. And the fact that counting on them. are are what brings them to pass in your life. Remember we talk about hope and faith. And and the essential elements of that. In Acts chapter 16. And again. I'm going to try to save time. So we can cover a little more ground. But in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas. You know, this is when they were in the town where the little girl with the uh, or the young woman, whatever, with the, the, the familiar spirit was following them around. And, and she had a spirit from the devil. But she was following them around and saying, These are men of God, and they're here to proclaim the It sounded good what she was saying. But it was really stirring up strife and division. And, and Paul recognized that, and he cast that demon out of her. After a few days, he got really irritated and he told her he told the spirit in her, shut up, come out of her in the name of Jesus, and she was free. Uh, but it really made her owners mad. She was a, a servant girl, and uh, she was making them money in that godless city with that uh, demonic gift, you know. It's not a gift, but the devil will give you things too. You see every he, you remember what he told Jesus all this has been given to me and I'll give it to you if you'll worship me. How many people in the music industry have Bob Dylan I heard him I saw the video of him saying it himself that he had sold his soul to the devil. I've heard others, a lot of others and that's that just that's a terrible thing but it just nothing about them and I pray to God that something happens and they have an encounter and you know they get in under the wire like like Lincoln did. But the point is that the devil can give you stuff too. God is so loving that he won't give us things that we want sometimes because it would destroy us. Or we're not ready. Or the person that we're wanting him to give us In a relationship form, and they don't deserve. (laughs) We don't deserve them, (laughs) and He loves them too. Why would He want to? You know. So the better prayer I tell people when they come looking for a mate or something like that, pray that God will prepare you to be the amazing husband or wife that that godly, wonderful person you're believing for deserves too. And then just quit looking, and throw away your list that even Jesus couldn't fill, you know, <laughs> I just threw that in for free, I don't know, I'm not talking to anyone, <laughs> but in Acts 16, Paul and Silas, they had been beaten and thrown into prison there in Philippi, and uh, it wasn't like these days, and, and, uh, I don't know why people think that these days jail is just so cushy and everything and you get this knife on bed it's not trust me you don't even have a mattress or a pillow you just and it's cold and it's still but it was worse then they would generally you went there beat up first so you had open wounds and and everything and then they take you down into the dungeon where it's probably damp and cold and nasty and there may be other sick people and they chain you up always they put fetters on you and uh, chain your feet and and, uh, anyway so they were in chains in the dungeon and had been beaten and that's uh, that's a little gloomy you know but they were just praising God and singing songs to God and praising Him at midnight and uh, they began to pray and sing praising unto God, and the other prisoners there were all listening to them. And then suddenly, it's around the twenty-fifth verse, I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but it, there was a great earthquake, and uh, all of the prison doors flew open, and all the chains fell off of everybody in the prison. And I, I've heard ministers before jokingly say that it was just God got to tapping his foot when he was so proud of them when they were praising him and everything in the midst of such terrible circumstances and uh, caused that earthquake and all the chains fell off and the prison doors fell open. But you know what happened? And then, then everybody just took off and ran away. No, they didn't. That's not in there. Nobody Nobody left. And they didn't stop singing and praising God. The Spirit of the Lord there, and they were, they were having church, man. And they, you know, they didn't stop anything. The, the presence of the Lord must have been tangible. The Holy Spirit was really manifesting there, and nobody left. Nobody left. They were just doing it out of love for God, and the anointing was that strong. That had to be very powerful. That's what thanksgiving and praise can do for us. Y'all know that? It's not any different for them. God's no respecter of persons. It doesn't mean he doesn't respect anyone. It just means he doesn't have favorites. So he loves you as much as he loved Paul and Silas. And it can free us from the chains that bind us when we praise God and give him thanks. And it puts the devil to flight because God inhabits the praise of his people. And when God is in, in, the, in the midst, the devil isn't. <laughs> Let me tell you that. <laughs> so all your hurt and, and pains and demonic oppression that the devil uses to try and bind you up will just fall away when you begin to just praise God, especially in the midst of trying circumstances. And I know, you know, that, I mean, I, you know, I I get it, you know, when you're the one in that, in that fire, you know, and you're hearing someone say this, you're like, yeah, buddy, switch places with you for a minute. I get it, but still it's true. God is faithful, and the devil is a liar. And your heart will open up to God. Your faith will be strengthened, and you'll be able to receive all that God has for you. Yeah. So, I was thinking about this last night, and I kept seeing a picture and it was like the lord was saying to, he was trying to tell me just make sure they don't think of me this way you know and and i'm like what you know don't 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 think that this that that giving me thanks and praising me is a is an order or is a command you know and i was like yeah but i don't know how to and he, and he kept showing me a picture of the guy at the, at the circus with the, with the whip in his hand and the chair with the lion. He said, make sure they don't see it that way. Yeah, I kept seeing it over. I'm like, what is that? He's like, "That I don't want, you know, I don't want them to think of it as a, a legalistic thing. I guess it worked Lord I I think they get it what he's doing he's trying to to keep us centered in his love and protection and provision and thanksgiving is one of the ways that we cooperate with the spiritual laws at work for us you see (laughs) that's a good one Lord so it's not a religious thing; it's a relational thing between you and the the Jesus, the the God, the Savior, the Holy Spirit that loves you and looks after you. Amen. Yeah. So cultivating it, it's cult it's got to be cultivated. This heart, this thankful heart, it's not sort of a normal thing in our culture in texas more so than up north no <laughs> but i'm kidding i'm kidding all, all my buddies in illinois and chicago are saying oh, i preach um but it has to be cultivated that thankful heart you just have to practice it and then you begin to benefit in every way because it honors god and it blesses god it, and and when you're giving thanks to him I keep remembering the, the, that you can't outgive God. You know, when you sow to the kingdom, when you give to God, He always returns that seed because Jesus said, if you don't understand sowing and reaping, you won't understand anything because everything in the kingdom is in seed form. And God is not going to take a seed from you that He does not multiply and give back to you. So, a good thing to have a thankful heart because you can't outgive God. So if you line your heart up with Him and, and give him the honor and thanks that he already has coming, he's already due, it'll strengthen your relationship with Him and it'll align you to receive all the blessings that He has for you. It'll also strengthen your witness for the kingdom of God, which is really where the maturity in the discipleship of a Christian begins. You know, dying to yourself is just, that's a basic thing to really coming into relationship with the Lord, a real relationship. And then he wants to get you growed up so you can go and be a help to others with the same help you've received, right? So so it'll help help in your witness for the kingdom so then you're helping others. And again, you can't outgive God. So when you're, when you're doing anything for the least of these, you're doing it for Him. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're not going to miss your reward. And a, a thankful heart is a humble heart. And we know that God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So again, good thing. It's all good. So humility and thanksgiving will bring great grace into the life of a believer. I really believe that. Great grace. Great grace. How's that sound? If you believe that God loves you and that he has good for you, it'll make you thankful. Yeah. And that's just the truth. So we need to just stop believing that it's just for everybody else and that there's something in particular about you that uh, disqualifies you. That's a negative thing and it's not true. And we need to not only glorify God by being thankful, but we need to remember that godly imagination that I've been talking about. Because the imagination is often thought of of as as a wicked thing, or it can be used for very carnal things. But in the Bible, the the godly imagination is where we get our hope, which is what gives our faith a target, remember? We use our godly imagination after seeking God and praying and spending time with God and spending time in the Word and he begins to put his desires in our heart, yeah? And so then we begin to, to paint these beautiful pictures and images in our hearts and minds, these godly assignments and dreams and hopes and visions um, for our lives and our, our family and our, our church and our businesses and our health and our relationships. And finances and that hope gives that faith a target. And as long as you are patient and stand strong in faith. Even and especially in the midst of adversity, I would say. Then we will see God's part accomplished. He's faithful. Amen. I think the problem with faith with most of the church is that we have grown so impatient. And so that hope, keeping our eye on the target, the hope will keep will give us a prolonged faith that we need because we need to once we loose that faith, I'm thinking of it as an arrow going down a target now, once we loose that we need to not let that, that faith rests until it accomplishes and retrieves what you've sent it out to to get. I can show you that that's a biblical instruction from Jesus. I don't have time to go there right now, but just you believe me, right? Yeah. Because we're called to a life of faith, and a lot of times, I mean I don't know if any of you have ever prayed for anything and that you knew was godly and you didn't get it. But I think that we wane, we waver. And James says, don't, you can't be double-minded. Don't doubt. When you pray, believe and don't doubt because then you're double-minded and don't think you'll receive anything from God. It doesn't mean that God's mad at you because you're wavering. He's saying that your unbelief and your belief that you're having a spiritual tug-of-war and it's hindering everything that he's trying to get to you. So learning to cooperate with the spiritual laws that are at work for our benefit is essential. And I think knowing that God loves us and knowing that what God has for us and that he is faithful to do his part will make us stronger in our part. Man, that was good. Thank you, Lord. It's a, it's a, it's a page of uh, scriptures that Jesus has our example of giving thanks. But I think, I think, He's telling me they're they're good on thanks right now. Yeah, yeah. Colossians one or three seventeen says, "Whatsoever you do, that that means everything, <laughs> in word or deed." So that definitely means everything. Do it all in the name of our Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So. You know, that's a good litmus test for whatever you're doing and you wonder, hey, man, is this of God? You know, well, if, can you walk in and declare I'm doing this in the name of Jesus? And with a straight face. <laughs> well, that I mean, based on this scripture, whatever we do in word or deed, we should do in the name of the Lord Jesus. Giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So the Lord wants for us and has provided for us to have a life of peace and abundance but the world and the enemy are against that plan huh right yes. we we agree that the god wants us to live a life of peace and abundance jesus gave us his peace in john 14:27 that amazing peace And God is a God of abundance. I've shown you that through scripture. So that's his will for our lives. And we know that there's an adversary, the devil, who does not want that for us. It's it's pretty simple. So he's against that plan. (laughs) So we have to fight for what is ours to part. No. Wrong. Wrong. See? That's the devil. The devil wrote that song. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm telling you, Lord, I don't know how you use me. But I love you for it. So we have to fight for our rights that God has given us. Jesus died and paid for on the cross. You know, we're not going to take anything out of this world with us except for souls he who wins souls is wise i didn't mean you have to be a preacher but you're all supposed to be doing the work of the ministry any of you invite somebody to church this week i did yesterday i think he's coming too he's a veteran and he's been looking for a, a church that um uh, that the, that it's not all about the music. I said, "Well, come on down. <laughs> we'll <be all> right. <laughs> I think you'd be satisfied." <laughs> so we need to win the lost, strengthen the church. Demonstrate God's mighty power. Didn't he say, you're going to do greater things than I? Mm -hmm. Those who believe on me. Doesn't it say, they shall lay hands on the sick and they will recover? Do it every chance you get. Mm -hmm. Now, just to, you know, not everybody is... You know, people are freaked out by religion. And the church is responsible for that to a large degree. So don't just walk up and start talking in the King James and say, I'm going to lay hands on you. But you can talk to someone and just start talking to them about the love of God and just say, can I hold, you? can I, can I hold your hand? You know, just if you could get, just hold their hand or touch them. You mind if I set my hand on you? You mind if I pray? For, and then just pray for them. And you're, you find your way. You know, there's not a, you know, oh, you, you didn't hold your left hand just right. No, no. It's, you know where the power is, remember? Not in the prayer. You just say it in your own words, whatever. Jesus wants you healed a lot. A lot. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. That's the that's the power that's the authority you're using. Well, who says you can do that in the name of Jesus? You see, everything in the legal world is all about the authority. Well, on what authority does that is that based? That document, that chain of command—all about authority, you know. And it's the same way in the in the kingdom of God. Well, you have the authority of Jesus Christ, which is total, <laughs> total. Everything that has been made was made by him and for him, through him. Mm -hmm. And he's the head of it all. Mm -hmm. I want to just start something. Um, I want to, I feel like I just want to talk about, the grace of God for a second and uh just wet your whistle get you excited again Isaiah 53 is usually a great place to start there so let's do that Isaiah 53 and I just want to as we enter into this uh season of the year, we're going to begin to talk about the beginning, and so I just want to remind you of the culmination of everything that transpired, and, and then after today, we're going to move toward uh, the coming of our Lord Jesus the first time, Amen we're going to look at his exit here in Isaiah 53 I'll just start in the second verse for he this was prophesying 700 years prior to Jesus coming it said he grew up speaking of Jesus, before him like a young plant and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. In other words, he was just a regular guy in the natural. And he had set aside all of his kingly and powers and privileges, um, so that he could be qualified to be our kinsman redeemer. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs That same word means calamity or sicknesses or diseases or anxieties and carried our sorrows, our pains, our physical and emotional uh, anger and stress and depression. Yet we uh, esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds or by his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on Jesus the iniquity of us all for our rebellion that he pointed out there. So... No matter who you are, what you've done, Jesus bore the penalty and made the payment for that sin. Yeah. Now, it has to be accepted, that free gift of salvation and forgiveness by Jesus, by faith. But it's done. It's already accomplished for all the sins of the whole world, every person. But it doesn't mean they're all saved. So I was just thinking about grace because I always do. And uh, around the Thanksgiving uh, table, you know, uh, you hear a lot of people talking about saying grace. Who's going to say grace, you know? I think I guess it's the only time that uh, prayer is... Uh, is, is uh, Involved on Thanksgiving with lots of folks like I said before, but listen you don't say grace You acknowledge grace by giving thanks and grace is a person Jesus you can't separate the two Grace is the unearned unmerited undeserved favor and blessing and acceptance of God toward all who put their trust in His Son, Jesus Christ, as their Lord and Savior. I've, I've done it before like this, so it's easier to remember. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Yeah? Matthew chapter 18 Verses 2 through 4. Jesus said. And, and calling to him a child. He put him in the midst of them. And said truly I say to you. Unless you turn and become like children. You will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Whoever humbles himself like this child. Is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Why do you need to become like children? You wanna, it's he's not talking about the childish part <laughs> you know? we we did really good on thanksgiving we didn't have any meltdowns and i was just like wow because we got seven-year-old girl we got a four-year-old girl a three-year-old boy and a one-year-old boy and i'm like there were no meltdowns and i called back <laughs> over there and garrett said well you, you you just missed it by about 15 minutes. <laughs> oh, well, they're wonderful, though. It's to believe, folks. It's to get that childlike wonder and, and belief and that just that awestruck wonder. And I was talking to somebody that we all know and love who's going through a tremendous battle I talked to her for over half an hour yesterday and I was talking about getting our hopes up and, and just that childlike faith and just it's, it's done and the devil's a liar and, and that's just that's what we need we need to be totally dependent you know you ever watch a child you know they might act like they're all independent and want to do their own thing but, but if they look around and don't see mom and dad oh man you know they know they're, they're totally, they, that separation is not allowed. And that total dependence is, is understood. And that's how we need to be with our Father, with the Lord. You know, I don't want to be, I, I don't want to go a couple of minutes without thinking about Him. You know, and talking to Him, acknowledging Him. And I don't do it to try to earn anything or... Or try to, you know, keep myself uh, in good graces, as people say. See, that's another foolish term. But I just do it because I love him, and I know I need him. And just like when he called me to do this job, I said, I don't don't care about anything that I have to say. It has to be you. He said, okay, I got you. You know, and I meant that. You know, I, I still don't care about anything that... You know, somebody comes to me, which they do all day, every day, you know, about important things. I need it to be God talking back, you know. (laughs) And so I seek him and I stay close to the Lord. I don't want to allow that space like Peter did when he followed at a distance after Jesus was arrested. I don't want to allow any room for the devil to get in there and start jacking with my mind. He tries enough as it is. And the closer you get to the Lord, the more he'll try because he hates that relationship, something he'll never have. But God loves you all. And I just wanted to point that out. We may believe in our minds sometimes. I think we get head knowledge but to get it in our hearts is what really makes the difference does that make sense yes. I know people that know this bible like you know I can't even I just they make me feel stupid you know and uh, and that's their goal you know? right. and you know what I do I just laugh or I just say I don't know man hold on let me look that up I don't know every chapter and verse you know I know the word if you say something that disagrees with what's in this word it, my spirit just goes like scratching on a chalkboard but I may you know I may not know where to tell you how to I could find it in just a minute or so but I'm not you know I don't have the Bible memorized I know people that do, and my point is that some of them don't even know Jesus. So we can get things in our minds and not in our heart, but really the goal is to get it in your heart because like God, God told me if I can get it in your heart, I, if I can get it in your heart, I can get it in your hands. To, talking about believing for things, you know. But instead, we're we're so conditioned to a performance-based relationship or acceptance from God um, that it, it can really hinder our relationship with God. So we don't want to ever get stuck in that rut. We've talked about ruts. We don't want to get stuck in that rut. And so people say, well, so, okay, so it's all about the grace of God and, and I don't have to earn a relationship, so I don't need to be good or I don't need to do right, you know. Well, you know, God's not going to stop loving you if you don't. But the Bible does say that you're a slave to whom you obey. And spiritually speaking, there's only two sides. <laughs> So, you do the math. Do you want to open the windows and doors of heaven to pour out blessings in your life that you can't handle? Or do you want to open every door and window in your home for the devil? Because you have the ability to do both. Uh huh. So, I think that, that sort of answers that question. You know, people talk. Think of the grace of God as a license to sin. Jude wrote a one-page book in the Bible about it. He was so upset about it; he's, he wanted to—I think he wanted to cuss—but he, he's talking about these people who snuck into the church that tried to make the grace of God into a license to sin. But you know, Titus 2:11 and 12, he talking about the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. So, again, Jesus has paid for it all, but not everybody's saved because you have to have a faith response to the grace that has been provided. But it says in the 12th verse that that grace teaches us to live godly, upright lives in this present evil age or something like that. So, grace is a teacher. And so, it grace is is, is not just a, a pa- So you know it's like it's like some have a mindset that grace is just a license so i don't have to stop at any red lights and i can do whatever i want and jesus covered it all and i can just you know it's just they think of grace that way and while grace does bring lots of blessings and provision if 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 faith is applied to that grace and that promise for that need at that time it's also a teacher so it's an empowerment of god's strength god's power the ability to be and to do all that he's called us to be and to do because we're not do to be's we're be to do's remember you know we don't do right to be accepted we are right so we now we do the right thing yeah I have I have news for us. Right, we we can't be good enough. We can't be good enough in our own power and ability and and attitudes or actions for God. So it doesn't even matter how much we broke God's law because we all have. He isn't grading on a curve, is he? I used the example before about when I used to have a slight drinking problem and. Uh, I had a, I was in Dallas, and I had a, a sliding glass door that would get stuck on its track. It was one of those old aluminum mill finish ones that needed to be replaced, and, and I would have to jiggle it and stuff, and I, I, I knew enough about them because I sold them <laughs> that you could pick it up off the track and just kind of recenter it, and, and I was trying to do that one night, uh, sort of under the influence, and I fell right on top of that, Half of the sliding glass door, and that's how I got this scar here. I just went to bed, woke up with a towel wrapped around me, and I felt like I was in the Godfather movie. You know, like, oh! But you know, you know that tempered glass—it it just—it just, it just shattered to a million pieces. You can't fix that thing; it has to be replaced. You know, it's the same with the law. The Bible says that if we fail at just one point of the law, we're guilty of the whole thing. So God, you know, it's, it's like that, that plate glass window. Once it's broken, it's, it's shattered and, and it can't be fixed. So it has to be replaced. And God didn't come to, to fix us either. He, so I, I don't like when people say that they've, you know that God has really changed. You know, made a big difference in their life, or changed their lives, or improved. You know, in their lives. No, he he killed you. <laughs> you died <laughs> when you accepted Jesus. You, you died with Christ on that cross. You were you were, you you died and you were raised from the dead. You were born again. You're a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So you're not that old man, and they say, and that's why you need to know spirit, soul, and body, because they look around and say, I got the same scar I had, you know, this body's the same, and I actually, you know, I got this this sort of my soulish realm, my mind, will, my personality still. I mean, I'm getting better because I'm going to church, but I'm, I'm still not. You see, so they have to understand it was their spirit that was born again. And it's brand spanking new and perfect and sealed, so they can't get any yucky in there. Forever. One third of their salvation is finished. Gospel isn't a self-help program, is the point. Jesus came to make us new. Romans ten four says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. To everyone who believes. What does that mean? That means Jesus is the end of the law, the end of good behavior as a means to earn a relationship with God. You can't. That's good news. But right believing produces right living. And that's what, we're, that's what we're trying to accomplish. Hmm? We're crying, trying to create disciples that know the truth. And the truth, just like grace, is a person. Happens to be the same person. Jesus is the way. Jesus is the truth. Jesus is the life. Jesus is grace. Can't separate him. I'm going to stop there today. But I just hope that you will all focus on the things we've talked about today. And and I mean it for real. I, we we every week. May was just talking about the the messages from recently or I was she was talking about the Thanksgiving one and how she enjoyed that but there has been a wonderful uh, uh, the Lord has really laid out some beautiful truth and he's trying to take uh, the listeners on a a beautiful journey of enlightenment and revelation and and you know, even though it's coming from a faulty vessel, if you will just take these truths, these keys, these kingdom keys, and really consider them, make them your own. I mean, there, there's, there's no end to no limit to what God can do through you and wants to do. Amen. Amen. I believe that with all my heart. And I just hope that you'll meditate on these truths and make them your own. And know that God loves you and wants great things for you. Amen? Amen. All right. Well, let's just give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Thank you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you are. Thank you for everything that you've done. Thank you for everything you continue to do. Thank you for your mercy and grace and love and promises and peace and love and joy and just, just thank you Lord for this time of year use us Lord to go out and shed your light Lord everyone who is hurting just heal them and just let them be overwhelmed with a just to the point they almost feel guilty for being so filled with the joy of the Lord when, when the world's taught them they should be uh, grieving and unhappy but they just can't because it's so full of the love of God And they know that you got this and that everything is going to be well. Uh, We just love you, Lord, and we thank you for your truth. And we thank you that we are your children and that our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.